Yep, we know. Anyway, yesterday we talked about why we thought Jackson Dart should start against Troy. This will be the case for Luke Altmeyer right here on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis, and thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications of new videos, and of course, upvote the video itself. Hey, new digs. How about that? Something else. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. The case for Luke Altmeyer. Yesterday, I did a video about why... Jackson Dart should start against Troy. Well, you can look at this one as why Luke Altmeyer should start against Troy. And it's important to see both sides of an issue, in my opinion. Luke Altmeyer is an experienced guy. He's gone through, this will be his fourth camp. Like he went through our spring, fall, spring, and yeah, and then fall camp. So four going through. So he should be experienced in running this system. And it shows. Now, he may not have the downfield prowess, but as we saw in the Sugar Bowl, it's not like he can't make those throws. He can absolutely do it. But the question mark that's going to be around him is the over-conservative nature in which he plays. Now, it could be the flip side of it with the Jackson Dart stuff because fairly or unfairly, Jackson Dart has developed a reputation as a gunslinger. Part of that could be our fault um, for going that whenever we tried to frame this competition from the early stages. But Jackson Dart, to my knowledge, has gone two straight scrimmages without turning the ball over. So that gunslinger reputation, I don't know where that sits at the moment. We need to we need to lay eyes on him as a player to make a judgment for ourselves. But Luke Altmaier can run the offense. He can move the team. He can do the things that are necessary for a quarterback in the SEC. And as you sit back and you think of it, with all these weapons all over the field, the Jalen Robinsons, the Michael Triggs, the Jonathan Mingos, the Malik Heaths, the Zach Evans, the Ulysses Bentley IV, it's really hard not to just say, hey, we'll take an A.J. McCarron-type quarterback and we'll go win. As long as the quarterback doesn't beat us, we will be all right. And that's the reason I mentioned yesterday. If Luke Altmeyer takes the first snap against Troy, it is because he clearly won the job, because he clearly took better care of the ball in a better way than Jackson Dart. That would be the explanation if Luke Altmeyer takes the first snap. If it's Jackson Dart, it's just because the ceiling. They're playing. They're, they're gambling on the big inning, so to speak. One run is not enough. They want six. Luke Altmaier can get you one. Get you one. Zero. Zero. One. And it'll be a fairly low-scoring game, fairly conservative, but they'll play fundamentally sound, and everything will be done the way you expect it to be done. That is Luke Altmaier, the quarterback. As we said, the way to win this job, and this was back in February, the way to win this job would be hyper-efficient behavior by Luke Altmaier. 
Don't fall into the trap of pressing. Just keep doing what you do. That is your path to being the starting quarterback. It is not trying to be Jackson Dart. It is not trying to play the deep game that Jackson Dart can play. It is playing your game. And Luke Altmaier, according to everybody around, whenever I'm here, I'm reading everything, he has been focused on what he does. He does things his way. And that is his path to be successful. Because I told you last week, there was a trap that Luke Altmaier could fall into after the last scrimmage, and Jackson Dart was so good. And everybody saw he was so good. So you got a, let's just call him a high-priced transfer from USC that has come to Ole Miss. Everybody on campus has saw him have a big day in a scrimmage when there's only two. To say Luke Altmaier after that scrimmage was behind the eight ball is pretty obvious. Because, let's take it like this. Quinn Ewers, Ewers transferred to Texas, and he was competing with Hudson Card all through camp, and they were getting ready to name a quarterback, and all of a sudden it started leaking that Hudson Card won the job. Then, all of a sudden, Quinn Ewers was named the starter. A lot of rumors of booster involvement and NIL and throwing a lot of money, this is all happening in real time. So, that's one of the reasons that Bill Flowers said that for Luke Altmaier to win this job, he has to win this job. Close is not good enough for him. If he has a 92 and Jackson Dart has a 91, um, Luke Altmaier is going to end up watching. It's, it may not be fair, but that is the way it is. So if Luke Altmaier is the quarterback against Troy, it is probably because of turnovers and the hyper-efficientness, and he's never taken the bait. He's just kind of done what he does. Luke Altmaier is a good quarterback. You saw in the Sugar Bowl a true freshman with no offense put in for him um, that, that capitalized on his strengths, um, playing against the best defense we played last year. Only Georgia in the SEC would have had a better defense than those guys. Those guys were salty, and they were good. And you have a situation. Matt Corral gets injured, right? They have to throw in and get into emergency mode with Luke Altmaier. Luke Altmaier looks like a true freshman thrown into emergency mode. At halftime, the extended halftime, they were able to put together a package with Luke of stuff he was comfortable with. In the third quarter, he looked like a completely different quarterback. Really good. He made some impressive throws. Go back and watch our breakdown with Corey Burton as he talks about the Sugar Bowl with Luke Altmaier. He can make these throws downfield. He's just not at the moment. But in the fourth quarter, Dave Aranda, being the great defensive coordinator that he is, made adjustments to the true freshman quarterback, baited him, and got a pick. And it, Baylor ended up winning the game. But let's not forget in that third quarter, Ole Miss was a missed field goal away from taking the lead in that game with a true freshman backup quarterback. You could honestly say in that Sugar Bowl, if Ole Miss had Caden Costa, they might have won that game. 
everything else the way it is, they would they might have won that game with a field goal kicker. Didn't have one, but they might have won that game. Anyway, in the third segment today, John Garcia is going to come on and talk about quarterbacks during their recruitment and how they look. Luke Altmaier, Jackson Dart, even a look at Marcel Reed. Um, who had a really good day. We might talk about that in the next segment right before we get into it. Um, he, they absolutely crushed Ravenwood in his senior debut at NBA, and he looked really good doing it. I think he was like 15-17 for like 200 yards, two touchdowns, and a TD on the ground. Looked really good. Looked like a polished SEC player that is going to come in. I, I'm telling you, watch his film. Every time I do, I see Charlie Ward. Every time. Whenever somebody on this channel told me, it's like, hey, Charlie Ward. And I looked at it and it was like, yep, that's him. So we will talk about all of that with John Garcia in just a little bit. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the regular season setup for this channel and the way um, Ole Miss needs to attack their regular season. We've gotten out of camp. Yesterday was the last day um well, it was the first day of not camp, first day of school. So we are officially out of camp mode, and that's going to make things look a little bit different on this channel as well, as you can see. And we're going to tell you exactly where that fits and exactly what we're looking for as this moves forward. It's pretty good. Anyway, man, these new digs, I really like them. Really like them. Real quick, I want to tell you about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered, and starting next week, Monday, we will do lines on this show. So the third segment will be lines. We're probably going to bring Derek Vandy Griff in, and we're just going to have a whole segment on gambling, and it'll be all around the betonline.net stuff. So anyway, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked on Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and an Odyssey college football insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college season in one spot. Search the ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Anyway, we're going to move on to the regular season. Like I said, you watch yesterday's um, show for the reasons we think Jackson Dart should start. First segment was um, a case for Luke Altmaier. We're not quite ready to make a prediction yet, but we are getting close. And I will say it. We are looking at Jackson Dart as a potential favorite for this job at this point. He might not win it. We could be absolutely wrong. We have no way of actually going and putting our eyes on stuff. They're going to lock all this stuff down. From the open scrimmage where Jackson Dart had his major coming out party for the Ole Miss fan base, the next week was basically barren. 
not a lot of info coming out. There, even less is going to come out. Today, uh, yesterday, Lane Kiffin did talk about the scrimmage, but he didn't say that much. Um, that And just full disclosure, that, that press conference should be happening on, I should get it on the FTP in about four hours. So I haven't seen it, but he's not going to say much because there's no motivation for him to do so. So watch the press conference. Like I said, players and Lane Kiffin, if there are players there, and look for nuggets of information, for mistakes, for gaffes, for stuff that he didn't want to necessarily let out. Let that be your guiding light moving up for, for the next 11 days. We are Mike Espy number of days away from college football season um, being played in Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium. It's very good. Vandy is a road favorite at Hawaii. I haven't talked about this, but every now and then it just blows my mind. Vandy being a road favorite to anybody, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, what what are you going to do, you know? But it, it is what it is. But anyway, as football season has gotten a little bit closer, and we're getting ready to shift over to our regular season mode on this channel, we are going to... Let's say, not necessarily change some things up. We're going to do things in a way that might be efficient for you guys. We're going to have Biscuits and SEC, and they're going to do a show that's going to air at 6 o'clock Saturday morning. That's an SEC preview. It'll be about an hour long. They'll talk about all the major games. I'm trying to get them back for this week zero to where they can talk about the Vandy game and do a little bit of an SEC preview. We're going to do that. We're going to do what I call a 10-minute pregame show where we will talk about um, pregame and release them on all the social platforms. You can follow us at on Twitter down below, Locked On Ole Miss on TikTok, um, and you can join our Facebook group at Positively Ole Miss on Facebook. And a 10-minute pregame show of just like some basic pertinent things that you need to know. I'm interviewing um, Josh Boutwell from the Troy Messenger later this week. I think Friday um, I'm interviewing him. So that'll be for our pregame show of what's going on. During the week, we are going to have Derek come in on Tuesdays or Mondays, depending on when we do lines. Um, we're going to have Karen in a normal spot, Tom in his normal spot. We are going to try and continue to find former players that want to get in on the action. Um, this week I have to set it up, but I haven't done yet. Um, Eddie Small um, this week. So he's going to talk about his time with Brewer. He's not really going to talk about this um, team, but he's he's going to kind of like give you a camp insight um, to the Billy Brewer teams back in the 90s or as Generation Z calls it, the late 1900s, which is upsetting. Anyway, like I said, Biscuits and SEC, and then post-game, we are going to do a live stream. Our first guest analyst of the live stream is Bill Flowers and Mike Espy. We're going to talk about the Ole Miss-Troy game. We're going to start go live at about 7 Eastern-ish, um, somewhere around there. I don't want to commit to a time because we don't know what the game's going to do. Um, and then we're going to go live, talk about it for about 30, 45 minutes, and that'll be the live stream for the post-game show. We'll have a voicemail line that you can call into 
we will have um, Twitter that we can pull from, and we will have a chat. So there's three different ways for you to participate in the show, but we're hoping we can do that. Remember, you need to subscribe to the channel to be able to chat. You need to be able to subscribe to the channel to be able to chat. And, um, you know, tweets we're probably going to pull from local media that's at the game covering it. And voicemails, keep them to 10 to 15 to 20 seconds. Anything longer than that is not going to make the air. Keep them short. You have a question? Hey, I'm Bob from Satarsha. Tell me about the um, how the running backs look today. That would be an example of a good voicemail. But that is going to be regular season mode on this site. And it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to have fun because our whole goal is to make following Ole Miss sports fun again. And that will be important to do. So, anyway, that's our regular season. Let's look at Ole Miss's regular season a little bit. We're not going to do wins and losses yet because we're going to save that to next week because we are almost out of stuff to talk about. So, we need to save what we can. So, every day we talk about the quarterback competition and something else has to be talked about um, later on. So, the regular season sets up for Ole Miss unbelievably nicely. Ole Miss could easily start, well, I'm not going to say easily, but you, you easily could see Ole Miss starting the season 8-0. That would be wins over Auburn and LSU and Kentucky as the toughest games. Now, you could see Ole Miss probably 6-2 and in that period as well, but 8-0 is on the table. And if they are 8-0, going into Texas A&M. It will be Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State to close it out. That Texas A&M instantly becomes huge. That game just becomes massive. And you have a team that is okay, but you also have one that is struggling against this drop eight coverage. If you go back and look at what they did last year against Arkansas and Ole Miss, Watch what they do against Arkansas early in the season. That'll give you a a look at what you can expect from their offense moving forward. But they have struggled historically with the drop eight. LSU, I do not know what to expect from LSU. They have good players because they've recruited well ever since I've been alive. But the culture in that place really got messed up. Now, when there's a culture fix from, let's say, Ed Ordron and Houston Nutt, it took five or six games for them to get ready. But once they got going, they really got going. Something similar could happen at LSU. And I think people need to understand that a little bit. Because it, it could happen. LSU, by the end of the year, could be really, really good. They have the players. They've recruited that way for years. So, but if Ole Miss is 8-0 going to College Station and they get through the win at Tiger Stadium and all that, it could be a Shades of 2014 type deal, but let's just count on this as we need to count on it. They go to Texas A&M and win. They're 9-0 with Alabama at home the next week. Biggest game 
since the LSU game in 2003? There's, there's some ways this season could get really, really special for Ole Miss. There's a path. There's a path for mediocrity, too. There's a path for 5-7, and seven, by the way. As again, I told you, this is the most talented team in my lifetime, but there's one thing to be talented. It is quite another to be good. And the past three weeks put them on the journey to mediocrity or good. And that's just the way this works. And now they're going to get into game prep mode. And we're not really going to know. I mean, they can struggle a little bit for, with Troy, but that doesn't necessarily matter either. The year that Ole Miss won um, seven SEC games with Eli in 2003, Jonathan Nichols had to kick a 52-yard field goal in the season opener to beat Vanderbilt. I mean, results don't necessarily matter. You just need to be hot at the end. There's two teams that have been just white hot at the end. One was the 2003 team that won seven games. Two was the 2008 team because they were the best team in the country at the end. They, they, were, they were dominant. They were the best team in America. But they had to get those mental things settled in, in the beginning. So we will see what this team looks like when they come into the regular season and start going through it. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a real fun, honestly, to see what's going on. And everybody should look forward to it and approach this college season as fun. Because there's no reason not to. You have a team that has some expectations. Not like they're going to have next year, by the way. Next year is going to be real expectations. If this year goes any way, like I think it will. Next year is going to be real expectations. But this year there are some expectations. Don't get overconfident. Just enjoy the season and take the results as they come. This is going to be a learning season. This thing was all built with 2023 in mind. Now, I get that. They build stuff of this is the 2022 team, 2023 team, 2024 team. I get that. And they want to maximize this team. But if you think they're not thinking about next year, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Anyway, John Garcia Jr. is going to stop by and talk about each quarterback's recruitment. Going back, Luke Altmaier, Jackson Dart. We'll even talk a little bit about Marcel Reed who was absolutely dominant in a, I think, a 26-point win on the road at Ravenwood as NBA won 46-20. Marcel Reed was 15-17, about 200 yards, two touchdowns, had a rushing touchdown as well. They run an offense really similar to, like, Les Miles used to run at LSU. Marcel Reed is never going to put big numbers up, but – if you watch him play, he is so smooth back there. And it's some, something everybody should be excited about because probably whoever loses this quarterback race is going to transfer. Accept that. So Marcel Reed has a chance to come on and be the understudy right away behind whoever's important. And if it's Jackson Dart or Luke, Luke Altmaier, that next year they could go pro. And if that happens... You're coming in to be the guy. Remember, they took Marcel Reed's commitment 
the weekend that Jaden Rashada visited. You would not risk that unless it was worth it. Anyway, coming up next, John Garcia. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, upvote the video itself, and of course, hit the bell for notifications. Um, John Garcia brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, and I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Just excited for the season, man. It's 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 right around the corner. All the preseason stuff is out. You know, AP rankings, watch list. I mean, it's just it's a beautiful time of year. Everybody's undefeated right now. So congratulations to your audience and all the other audiences out there. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And by the time um, our audience reads this, we're going to be less than a week away from the first set of games. So that's that's actually really cool. Um, today, we're going to get outside of your comfort zone maybe a little bit, um, other than talking about Marcel Reed, which we're going to do that in a minute. But today, I wanted to do a recruiting comp of whenever they were recruiting of Jackson Dart and Luke Altmyer, since this quarterback competition is such a big deal as it should be to Ole Miss fans. Um, what, do you, what do you remember about Jackson Dart? Well, Jackson Dart was one of the more intriguing uh, players we tracked in that class of, I guess it would be 2021. So basically he is a, a guy who's at Corner Canyon High School, which is really, um, you know, one of the premier passing high schools in high school football uh, up in Utah. And he's just, he's lit it up every year, but he was kind of known as this really dynamic athlete who could throw. Think of a John Rice Plumley coming out of high school. He was he was more known for that, and I think it caused a lot of question marks during his sophomore and junior season to the point that until about this time going into his senior season, he didn't have a Power 5 offer. There was a lot of, mm, we like him, but we're not sure. Keep in mind, this was coming off of the COVID year. You couldn't hit the road as a coaching staff to evaluate, and you really had to rely on technology and video to supplement any any evaluations because you couldn't go out there and watch him in person, which every coaching staff wants to do, especially relative to the quarterback position. So he had a lot to prove going in his senior season at, at Corner Canyon. And man, did he start lighting it up from the beginning? I don't have the exact numbers, but he put up like 69 touchdowns, both passing and running. I mean, he just blew it out of the water as a senior, as a true dual threat at this point. The questions about his arm and the, the ability to read progression started to subside, and they put up crazy numbers. I think he broke a couple of records um, in the state of Utah during that 2021 or 2020 season uh, to the point where they went all the way to the state championship game and, and ran away with things. So Jackson Dart really played his way into the Power Five as a senior, which is just rare, right? So he had a chip on his shoulder, kind of the whole deal. But man, when everybody, when, when one school jumped in, everybody jumped in. Uh, it, it became a huge national battle. And he was like the late prize of that recruiting class because all the other top quarterbacks that cycle 
were off the board early, right? Uh, Caleb Williams to Oklahoma, all, all those Garrett Nussmeyer to LSU, Miller Moss uh, to USC. I mean, everyone had their pick early in the normal quarterback timeline. So anybody who missed or wanted to upgrade or maybe package a quarterback with another went all in on Dart. And obviously, you know, USC won out there in the end, and, and be, he became a part of a two-quarterback class with Miller Moss, who he beat out uh, pretty much right out of the gate when he got to USC uh, before, you know, getting some playing time and obviously hitting the transfer portal. So I think with Jackson Dart, he really played his way onto everybody's radar and really, uh, you know, proved his worth as a true dual threat in high school. And, and everybody saw it kind of simultaneously and it became a frenzy. USC, I think Oregon was in there. Um, BYU was was really the school trending early in his recruitment before everyone else got involved. Uh, so it, it really became quite the, quite the spectacle from, from a late risers perspective. And then with Luke Altmaier, kind of the opposite, a guy at a Starkville high school, of course, who just from the jump was a guy, everybody recognized pretty early. Hey, the footwork, the accuracy, the consistency is all here playing against really good competition that the schools in that SEC ACC footprint at, at, as a sophomore were already in on Altmaier. Of course, he makes the early verbal commitment to Florida State, and and it just becomes a a frenzy, right? I think Alabama was trying to flip him. Obviously, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, everyone was trying to change this kid's mind, and for a long time, he he really stayed the course uh, until late in the cycle, where of course he ends up picking the rebels uh, and at that point he was already this understandably polished accurate passer a guy who who you just kind of knew what you were getting maybe a higher floor lower ceiling recruit which is you know ironically now the opposite of dart who everyone viewed as this late riser with maybe not the highest floor but a very high ceiling so now coming full circle to 2022 and we're getting some of the same conversations right we see in the spring game Altmaier outplay Jackson Dart. You know, we saw Altmaier get some spot experience last year when Matt Corral was banged up, and you see that high floor, right? The throws are on time. They're accurate. Uh, there's some game manager in him, which is not a bad word anymore. Uh, hopefully everyone can understand the positivities with that. And then with Dart, again, you saw it in the spring game and you hear more about it. It's just a high risk, high reward, right? He's going to take more chances. He's going to push the ball down the field. And, of course, he's got this running ability that could really become a separator when all things get even in this quarterback battle. So still fascinating to look back on. But, uh, you know, still both guys have a lot ahead of them. And, and you could really start to make the argument for either package or either player, excuse me. Altmaier, more experienced, certainly understands this system a little bit better and can be that point guard on the football field as to where Dart might mimic a little bit more of, of what we saw from Matt Corral in that not only can he deliver the ball with great arm talent, particularly to the third level, but he could really move the chains with his legs and become a dynamic threat in that regard. So it's, it's a bit of a pick your poison, uh, but it's understandable at that same time, Stephen, why this has become such a close call. Maybe the closest call in the country. We, we start to see separation at LSU in their battle, Auburn in their battle, Texas in their battle, Nebraska in their battle. All these are going on at fall camp. 
this Ole Miss one seems like it's it's maybe the most touch and go in the entire yeah. country at this point, and that's a mm-hmm. great, great problem to have for Lane Kiffin and company. He's going to have to figure it out soon, but it's a great problem to have overall because we all know quarterback depth and attrition are two things that really are, are tied to success from an offensive standpoint. So a uh, lot to play out there. Yeah, seriously. And this quarterback competition isn't the only thing going on as they have a commitment from NBA quarterback Marcel Reed, um, who is making some waves. You're starting to see a bunch of interviews um, pop up and everything going, and some scouting services have even elevated him in certain things. Tell me what you're hearing about um, Marcel right now. Well, we're just seeing a whole lot of polish coming out of his game. I think early on, you know, dual threat, baseball player, you just expected this kind of, uh, you know, balanced recruit from a quarterbacking perspective. But I think over the last six months in particular, Stephen, we've seen him really take command of his mechanics, take command of his accuracy. And he's still utilizing a lot of that athleticism to work outside of the pocket. The footwork is elite. But we're seeing a quicker trigger, that motion has improved, and that short to intermediate accuracy, which is really the foundation of quarterbacking, let's be honest. We love the deep ball and all that stuff, but really it's about you know, third and eight, can you hit the dig in between the linebacker and the safety? And in that regard, Marcel Reed has really made strides. He's always been able to throw with juice and velocity, but now he's going off speed. There's a little bit more touch in his game. He's throwing guys open, the anticipation – is improving here as you would expect it to once there is a bit more focus on football. And that's something he's really never been able to do for all his accolades. He's, he's, he's a four-year varsity starter, again, productive from the jump as a true freshman at the high school level, all those great things. He's always had baseball. He's always had something else to divert his time to, which is not a bad thing. I'm, I'm not making the argument against uh, multi-sport athletes, but at quarterback, at some point, you do have to kind of, take a step back and say, hey, this is where I'm going to be. This is where my future is, so let's go all in here. And in this offseason, we've seen him make really big strides in that regard. So I'm expecting a very big 2022 senior season for Marcel Reed, a guy who, you know, talking to Ole Miss sources, they feel like even in this loaded quarterback class, this was one of their guys very early on that they felt really good about. Remember, they took his commitment the same weekend Jaden Rashada was on campus. You know, that that was a bold move from the Ole Miss perspective and certainly affected Rashada's view of Ole Miss. So you had to have conviction in taking that chance. And I think the coaching staff, I know the, the offensive staff, the quarterback coaching staff felt really good about Reed relative to other people's rankings and how other people viewed this entire uh, you know quarterback class and and especially the ones who were considering Ole Miss. Uh, so I, I knew that they they were buying in early on Marcel Reed. And since that point, we've started to see a lot of the reasons why, whether we've seen him in person at the Elite 11 Regional or or certainly on video working with QB Country and some of these other quarterback specialists. We, we're just seeing quick progression in his game. The, the length, the athleticism, the, the running ability is always there, and that's really important, and, and it will, will project very well at the next level. But the progress he's made as a passer mechanically is really what we've seen over the last six to eight months. And that is where Ole Miss fans should really be excited because now the future of the quarterback room looks pretty good because we know there's going to be some kind of friction between Altmaier and Dart one way or the other, right? It's just the nature of the quarterbacking business right now. So you need 
to bring in a quarterback in this class, 2023, that at least has the physical tools to compete right out of the gates. Because there's a chance that Marcel Reed is QB2 right out of the gate. And obviously, you know, you're one play away from being the guy at that point. So really important get for Ole Miss uh, early on. And a guy who's really stuck to it and, and had no drama since then, which is another nice luxury for Lane Kiffin and company. Yeah, and I tell people um, right now on my show, whenever you want to do, go to YouTube, watch a Charlie Ward video, watch a <laughs> Marcel Reed highlight. It's kind of uncanny. I, I think anybody would take that. Anybody yeah. would take that. I mean, maybe not Mississippi State fans, but everyone else <laughs> would, would take that. Uh, obviously, Charlie, again, a guy who – didn't have that luxury to, to focus on one sport. But, man, when he was on as a passer and as a runner, it, it was about as, as good as he got in college football. But now the systems are more tailored for quarterbacks who can do these things. So from a production standpoint, you put an even higher ceiling statistically on what a guy like Marcel Reed could do compared to a Charlie Ward back in the early 90s. Yeah, people look at talk about Michael Vick as being the game changer that really changed football. But it was probably 10 years earlier when Charlie Ward walked out there and started doing those things. It was it was pretty cool, and um, he, he's one of my all-time favorite players. Yeah, hard to argue against any <laughs> of that. I think Charlie, again, from a true dual-threat perspective, really, really flipped the game on its head, and you paired him with, obviously, great skill position talent. So when you break the pocket in those situations, it, it really is – a nightmare scenario for a defensive coordinator because either Charlie's running with it for, for big numbers or he's buying more time for those pass catchers to break free uh, and, and have more chunk plays in the conventional sense. So, yeah, I think we get some of that similarity with with Marcel. Uh, and again, another one, you know, once he once he fills out a little bit, very lean right now, I think all those things are, are still ahead of him and, and he'll be a little bit more built and prepared for for the SEC level of competition. Yeah, John Garcia from um, Talking Recruiting, brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Real quick, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Locked On SEC. Thank you very much, John. Hopefully we can get to do this again soon. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for having me on. All right, buddy.